Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Harbor, a safe space to have awkward conversations related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm Selena Caesar Chavan, who is your host, and we welcome you to enjoy this series where we discover and unpack things around equity and justice that are often not talked about, probably haven't been considered, and ways to advance going forward. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Harbor, a safe place to have conversations that typically may ruffle some feathers outside. But here in The Harbor, we have a safe place to talk about anything that is related to our journey towards equity, justice, and reconciliation. Today is going to be no exception to a vibrant conversation. And today we're going to be talking about cancel culture. I am your host, Selena Caesar Chavan, and I'm here with two guests who I'll have introduced themselves in a minute. I have Terry and I have Ishana. Welcome to the harbor. Can I turn it over to you, Terry, to just introduce yourself, tell the listeners who is Terry and why are you here? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Eleftherios. My friends call me Terry. Uh, I'm the Director of Continuing Professional Development here at the Faculty of Health Sciences. I've got sub-responsibilities in faculty development. So the reason I'm here is mostly because any of the professional development that's going to be pushing queens towards justice, uh, social responsibility, and other forms of advancing equity, I'm probably going to have some kind of role in, in terms of helping folks develop that. So I'm here mostly to learn, but also, I think, because well, if I'm not invested, how am I going to be able to ask anybody else to be? Right. Right. A word. We're starting off strong. Okay. Ishana, um, tell the people who you are. Of course. Great introduction, Terry, by the way, kind of uh, setting me up for <laughs> a little bit of nerves, but going in. Uh, my name's Ishana. I am a MPH student. I'm completing my Master of Public Health this month, actually. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I, um, the reason I'm here today is because I am currently TAing a course actually called Racism and Health in Canada. And that's been uh, really eye opening um, about the student perspective relating to mm-hmm. diversity, equity, inclusion, um, and, and really uh, taught me a lot about how the students actually perceive diversity and equity in school and what they know about it so far. So just bringing in that student perspective of what I know, what the students I teach know, um, and really including that within this conversation. For sure. So we're talking about cancel culture today. And this week, especially in the United States, there was this big conversation about um, Jerry Jones, owner of the Cowboys. And, uh, You know, in September of 1957, six Black students were integrating into North Little Rock High School. And Jerry Jones, the infamous picture, he's like three rows back. He's 14 years old. Everybody's going crazy saying that he needs to be canceled. Um, And then you have uh, uh, Stephen, what's his name? Uh, Stephen A. Smith come in and say, no, like, I mean, it was 65 years ago. Kid was 14, can't cancel. At the same time, for those listeners who don't know, my my identity, I'm a Black woman. And I know that when you open a history book, my culture is canceled out of history books. So before cancel culture was a thing, Indigenous culture is canceled based on policy 
federal government policy to kill the Indians, so to speak. So let's have a deep conversation about the ebbs and flows of cancel culture. So I will start with you, Terry, if you don't mind. Just tell me just what you're thinking about when we talk about cancel culture. So to me, cancel culture is a decision to exclude, and it's a consensus decision. So fundamentally, it's choosing to exclude based on an action or perception mm-hmm. on this one. So when I'm looking at, and the example that you give of Jerry Jones, he's 14. Why is he in the audience? We don't understand the motive for it, but we're assuming it's because he's there in support of it. Could right. be school assembly, could be any number of other reasons why he happened to be there for it. Right. Does it reflect the person that we've seen so far? Has it reflected the person who's there? Yeah, sometimes he's gone and said the odd thing he probably wishes that he didn't, but who hasn't along the way. In this case, it's why is there a motive to cancel him? Mm -hmm. So the motivation guy is, of course, looking at motives and that that's me. In this case, why is there the motivation? Is it because he's wealthy? Is it because people don't happen to like the Dallas Cowboys? Is it because they're Tony Romo fans? Is it because Mm -hmm. for one reason or another, there's probably a reason why there are some people more devoted to canceling Mm -hmm. some people in some circumstances than others. And in this case, is it for an action that he's done today? Is it for an act of racism? Is it for an act of exclusion? Is it for an act of malice now? Mm -hmm. Or is it for something and a motive that we're placing on somebody for a long time ago that we really don't have a good faith basis to say this was his intent? I forgot you were the motivation guy. (laughs) Oh, we're going to keep coming back to it. You'll remember (laughs) after this, I promise. I forgot. You always go back to what is the motivation. I'm going to throw it over to you, Ashana. Talk to me when you hear cancel culture and... I, I'm, I'm not put it, trying to mm-hmm. put you into an age box or anything, but we are completely different in age. So yeah. my kind of perception, I didn't have the internet growing up, yeah. right? So this is a new phenomenon for a lot of us, maybe a lot of the listeners. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your perceptions of cancel culture. Yeah, for sure. So I feel generationally, I'm kind of like a millennial cusp with Generation Z. I was mm-hmm. born in 1999. So fully- Oh, my daughter is the same age as you. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So fully grew up um, accessing a bunch of content. And honestly, you know, young people make mistakes like with this Jerry Jones example that you're bringing up, Um, you know, growing up in this day and age where you have access to online information, like pretty much right out the womb, like you're you have the iPad kids you have, you know, um, you're you're really online before you really understand the consequences of being online and uh, what it actually means to say things, post things. Um, So really, when I when I think about cancel culture, there's part of it, uh, part of me that feels like, you know, this is a really important aspect of holding people accountable for Mm -hmm. their uh, wrongdoings and kind of like, you know, a really important part of social justice. And then there's part of me that feels like some of these things should have like a statute of limitations that, you know, if it's something where you you see with motivations, things have changed or, you know, people grow, people learn. Um, there, it, it, Living is not a constant um, state of, of, you know, mindset. You're not always in the same mindset. So um, there's two sides, I think, of it uh, that are equally valid. And one of them being that, you know, it's really important to hold people accountable. And the other being that um, we should keep in mind that, you know, this is important, but not the end all be all. Right. So the the accountability word, I love that a word, Mm -hmm. because whenever we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, 
and especially justice and reconciliation. You know, we have a lot of these statements that are made. Um, after 2020, everybody put a statement, everybody blacked out their social media, everybody did the checkbox exercise. But when it came down to holding to account, there was a, you know, a, a collective gasp, like, oh, how are we gonna do that? And, you know, you can't, you know, disrupt my privilege in order to make things fair or to hold things to account. And a lot of organizations felt the backlash of that. So throwing it over to you, Terry, and and, I mean, feel free to jump in whenever, but how does accountability ever come into play and how forceful is, is cancel culture in reinforcing that accountability and the fragility that comes with it? And all the other like sort of parts that people don't want to talk about because they are comfortable in their privilege. So I have to be mindful of my position on this one. So <laughs> I, I, I'm just thinking about who I functionally am sitting in the studio. So for I don't know if people are going to see a picture or not, but I showed up wearing a three piece suit on this one. So yeah. that this is probably not screaming man of the people right now. <laughs> On this one, and and, and and I'm very mindful of that. Now, when I think about the fragility of this, and I think of why people might be motivated to participate in cancellation, and why we actually cancel for it. So, when I think about like what are the reasons for somebody being canceled? Cancel the slang in my case, but let like look at it with what it actually is. It's yeah. a form of social exclusion, right? right? Why are we excluding this person? Romans used to exile people, and a whole bunch of other things. Greeks used to exile people. Probably lots of different cultures around the world exile people. Why? What were the motives behind exiling someone? Did they do something socially undesirable? Did they do something that made society less safe? Did people just not like them? Why did people not like them? And I think that these are a lot of the same kinds of motives for why somebody gets canceled now. When when I think about the examples of people who have been canceled or who have claimed that they have been canceled, I compare that to their social capital. And I wonder, have they actually been canceled or not? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at somebody who is a gazillionaire Mm -hmm. and is no longer welcome to participate in society in all the forms that they once were. And they claimed that they were canceled. Well, why? Was it because they did something that was straight up racist? Did they do something that was straight up malicious? Or is it because, hey, people don't like something about this person. I will nitpick about this tiny thing. And it brings me gleeful joy that this person is no longer allowed to go out in society over something that they happen to do. And that that the, I get gleeful joy from canceling somebody who did something that I didn't like. That bothers me because unless somebody went and did something that actually made the world a worse place, that incited or perpetuated harm, that genuinely interfered with the rights and peaceful conduct of somebody else, mm-hmm. I don't understand why people get canceled for things lesser than you made the world a worse place in some way. Right. That right. that bugs me. And the the instances where the guttural reaction to somebody being canceled is because somebody made me feel fragile or somebody made me feel like they, 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 I don't think anybody likes being pointed out uh, that they were wrong on something and nobody particularly enjoys when it happens to be public. I don't think people particularly like it when it's in private either, but public somehow makes it worse because there's the social stigma and Mm -hmm. uh, losing face and all that that goes with it. And I wonder if people's response is, this person makes me feel bad about something that I did, therefore, I want them to no longer be able to do that. I no longer wish to be held to account. 
because of this person's actions. And that's your motivation for seeing someone excluded or canceled. That's awfully telling. It's like you're telling on yourself in that regard when your motive for saying this person shouldn't have a public forum anymore is because they use that public forum to hold you to account. Right, right. That that isn't the actions of somebody who is acting in the interests of a democracy. That isn't. That's somebody who wants to protect their holdings, their positions. That's how you get an aristocracy. Mm -hmm. And there, there are real issues with that. Mm-hmm. Not, e- not even hopping into the issues of class and issues of socioeconomic disparity that's there. When one group of people in society are able to protect their rights and to protect themselves and shield themselves from criticism, mm-hmm. we're well on our way to having an, uh, to forming up another ar- aristocracy. And that's bad news bears for everyone else. Right. Right. But that also plays into the role of accountability. Right. So you you are using this sort of uh, canceling or cancel call as a shield to protect your own self-interest. And and how is that supposed to better anything? Um, you know, I started off the the podcast talking about being a person of African descent um, and indigenous um, culture you know, being canceled through policy. Um, from a student perspective, you know, I mean, you're in class right now, you're at infamous Queens. What are some of the challenges with with being in a position where, to Terry's point, some people continue to protect themselves through not holding themselves to account or through this this means, knowing full well that there are still policies that are upheld through the Indian Act and other things that cancel culture in a legitimate way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I'll get into kind of is being a student here um, in the Master of Public Health program kind of positions me very uniquely mm-hmm. as I'm surrounded by people who have kind of equal motivations to me in kind of, uh, you know, truth and reconciliation, right? right? Advancing diversity and uh, equity um, within the academic space. So I honestly will say that the Queen's experience for me has been, I think, kind of different to what people talk about a lot when they refer to the, you know, infamous Queen's experience. Um, So I have been quite fortunate in that aspect. Um, And I think really when I am interacting with with students in the course that I TA, which uh, again is called Racism and Health in Canada, um, part of it is really assuming good intentions when you're talking to individuals who may not have as much, um, you know, experience in the conversation. Mm -hmm. A lot of these students are are pre-medical students who, you know, some of them may be taking the course just to fill up their course space. Some of them are taking it because they've heard it's kind of maybe easier. Um, so it's kind of just bringing a, a bit of um, opportunity for them to actually make use of this course. Um, uh, I think something really important, as I said, the assuming good intentions, but also um being educated on issues. You can't just come and say whatever you want, you know? Right. Um so it's it's honestly it's been difficult because there's, you know, things people say that, you know, I don't agree with. Um, but in a teaching space, you kind of have to 
step back and look at it more objectively. Um, so, so really in the student space, I think that there is advancement really going on and, and people are open to being held accountable. Um, it's just, I think a little bit slower. And then could I ask you to repeat your question again, what you were saying before? Cause I think I got sidetracked a little bit there. No, no, no. Um, you, you're, you're perfectly, okay. perf- I just wanted you you're to bring right in on the, it, Sean. Yeah, okay, perfect. I just wanted you to bring in the student perspective yeah. and, and just talk to me about mm-hmm. which which is what you were doing. Okay, just, great. I just going. Yeah. I didn't want to go on too much of a, a tangent, but no, yeah, no, no. It, it's it's really um it's it's such a uh complex thing. Yeah. Um and you know, I really want to make sure that I'm using the position I have to uh educate people and pass on that kind of knowledge that I'm gaining through my MPH, which really has been so helpful in in kind of advancing my perspective on mm-hmm. um, a lot of issues relating to equity and diversity. That's not something you typically gain in like a general health sciences undergrad, right. um, which is what I'm seeing with a lot of these students. And it's actually so great that this course is offered, um, which is not something I had in my own undergrad. So um, I think it's, it's definitely advancing, albeit slowly. Um, and I think part of it is, is really just people volunteering to, to take this course and whatever their reason may be, I hope that they're coming out of it, you know, more educated than they were when they went in and, uh, more open to being corrected, right. which is something that a lot of people struggle with. Again, going back to fragility, being corrected is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you assume good intentions when people are speaking, but also, uh, allow yourself to, be open to those corrections because that's the only way you really move forward. So assume good intention until proven otherwise. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, and, and in, even in these, in this course, or even through this podcast, through various different means, we continue on this journey towards education and understanding. Um, but also there is the ability to extend grace, Right to extend grace to that other person, to understand that we're going to make mistakes. And one of my favorite books is uh, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. And he's the founder and executive director of Equal Justice. Many of you who are listening would have seen the movie with Michael A. Jordan and Michael B. Jordan. (laughs) I'm a fan. I have to say it. Me too. (laughs) And Jamie Foxx. It was a powerful movie. Just just amazingly powerful movie. And of course, uh, Just Mercy, the book is just amazing. And one of the things that uh, Brian Stevenson says in the book is, each of us is more than the worst thing we've ever done. Each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. And while cancel culture tends to take that worst thing that you've done and blow it up and cancel individuals, some rightly so, some need to be held to the count in that very specific way because they have a pattern of that type of behavior or they have a pattern of harm or they have a pattern of um, mistrust or they may not have had a pattern because it's been hidden for so long. And we've, we've seen that happen with Me Too movements, et cetera. But um, the thing that we, I think we have to remember is Brian Stevenson's words is that we're not, we're not, each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. And we, we've, we've all have, we're all fallible. We all have uh, a capability to make mistakes. So what is, 
what is the antidote? I don't know if we need an antidote, but how? what is the, the barometer by which we cancel? Like, how do we... How do we start doing this in a way that doesn't protect people arbitrarily who have privilege and just use it as a way to not hold themselves to account? But at the same time, remember that people make mistakes. People are silly and might not do the best things all the time. Mm -hmm. What do we do then? Where are we? Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Ashana. I saw you wanted to jump in there. I yeah, my uh the wheels are turning. Um so one of the things that this brings to mind is cancellation by association. Mm -hmm. Um, which is something that happens, you know, you have a, a really recent example I think that I saw in media was if um people watched Euphoria and I have never yes. seen it, but I okay. do know the like actors, actresses. Yes. Um, so Sydney Sweeney, who plays one of the characters, um, she recently posted a family gathering where she had family wearing political merchandise that, you know, uh, most people don't really agree with. And so like the Internet really went in on her. Um, and that was like it, it. It was insane, actually, how how quickly people jumped on that um, and really kind of ripped her to shreds in a day. And then immediately afterwards, it was also forgotten about. So two very important things happened there where, you know, they canceled her and I'm using quotation marks because mm -hmm. it really, there was no consequences to it, but um, they canceled her for something, you know, she has no control over and probably like people she loves who, you know, she, I don't know her, but maybe she doesn't agree with her, their opinions. Maybe she does. Right. Um, but, you know, there's people out there that are always going to have a different opinion to us. Um, and so long as that opinion doesn't perpetuate hate, I think, you know, those things are OK. Um, but in in her situation where she was so quickly um, canceled and then nothing really happened of it, that kind of brings up the the conversation of like, where cancel culture is really making mistakes because, you know, what was the point of that is, is something I really question. Like one, it's something she had no control over Two, if you're doing it and there's no consequence, uh, con consequences to it. Is there any, you know, reason to really be doing it at all? And three, it really just like has honestly back to two, there's no reason for it when it comes back to, really nothing happening. So yeah. that's that's kind of like a confusing part of it for me because, you know, as you said, and as we've all agreed, it's really important to hold people accountable, but sometimes it's just like, why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> why are we here? Yeah. If there's nothing that's going to happen, there's nothing going to come out of it. Mm -hmm. Why? But maybe something does come out of it. Like mm -hmm. just to close the loop on this, because, you know, the picture that she showed was of family members wearing a, the Blue Lives Matter. Yes. Yeah. In the height of you know, yeah. the Black Lives Matter movement and mm -hmm. the harm that has been caused. And, and you know, we're not going to get into support of of police or the Black Lives Matter movement. But at the same time, I think what it does is it sets that sort of social barometer mm -hmm. as to what people will accept yeah. and what people are not going to accept. Mm -hmm. She happened to be the 
the person that got the downfall of it. Yes. But if there wasn't any blowback to it and it was just okay, then does that make it okay? Does it make it okay for us to negate what that, what, whatever symbol Mm -hmm. is being talked about um, is just left alone. Yeah. So now we have a social barometer to say, hey, this particular, in this particular instance, we don't like that. Mm -hmm. And there are how many retweets 120,000 <laughs> of us yeah are saying that we don't like it or whatever yes. the number is yeah but it helps to create that social barometer terry i saw you wanted to jump in I, for me what i'm wondering about is like what counts as like an attempted cancellation or an actual <laughs> okay. cancellation yeah. like where is the like no no you got canceled yeah like, on the scale of cancellations that i've seen in history or that i've wondered about Bearing in mind that, like, we've been, I, I, I think social media has made it a lot easier to to share your opinion of dislike mm-hmm, yeah. about someone or your opinion of admiration about it, uh, about a person. I wonder if, like, what qualifies is like, no, 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 you got canceled. Like, there is a gray area. Like, this was an attempted cancellation, or this is no, 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 you got canceled. Um, what it actually looks like in this case, people told her that they were upset about a picture. They probably said a lot of unnice things that people should probably like. You can disagree with someone, but like, be nicer about it. Yeah. Come on, like, we're supposed to be like, be kind. Mm-hmm. How hard can it be to just say, "I really don't agree with this"? Yeah. And saying that kind of statement is a lot different than going and saying you're a terrible person who deserves this fate. Yes. And right. people get really spicy. The fact that she got brutal threats mm-hmm. out of it is unconscionable. This is yeah. nuts. Yeah. So I, I always kind of like look at like, what is the scale of cancellation? Like Mm -hmm. somebody threw tomatoes at you for 15 minutes online, or you are excluded from public facing life. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot go out in public because it would be unsafe for you because people are voicing their their displeasure of you Mm -hmm. on this one. And there are a lot of different kinds of cancellations that have occurred in history. There have been cancellations of, you're not allowed to go and, there are cancellations of like, you're not, able to continue doing this. There have been cancellations. Here's a pretty vivid example of this one. People have voiced their displeasure over other countries' politics, sometimes with military intervention. That's a cancellation (laughs) as compared to, you know, I really didn't like this person, so I gave them a one-star review on Yelp. There is a real (laughs) continuum of space between those ones. And what was this kind of cancellation? Where was this on this one? They didn't like something that somebody was wearing in a picture that she happened to be with. And that's why I think this thing never really developed. It had incredible but shallow momentum on this one. It was there for a short period of time, but the political support for excluding this person from society was hollow. Mm -hmm. And it was hollow because it wasn't her. Right. If it was her wearing these things, the responses and the dropped brands. Yes. There would have been yeah. like a there, whole there would have absolutely. Been, so like there would have been effect. there would have been the financial Economy. consequences yes. that tell me that this was serious. Yeah. Because yeah. in in a world that is ever more capitalistic, money is the thing that talks. Mm-hmm. Where did the money go? Was she excluded from? Was she thrown out of, off of Euphoria? Yeah. No. Yeah, is, she didn't get any deals cut. Like her, no, she, she no. wasn't cut from any deals. So that one hundred, one hundred percent. This was unpleasant for her. Yeah, a hundred percent. This was unpleasant, and the vitriol directed at her is yeah. is not is not 
worthy of humanity. That's mm-hmm. a fact. That mm-hmm. that shouldn't happen that way. But in terms of like career longevity, mm-hmm. other than probably being upset and probably a little more guarded about what she posts on there, this is one that could have gone a lot worse for yeah. her. Yeah. And it could have been. And I wonder what are the factors that prevented it from being worse than her? Was it because it was not her? Was it because she's incredibly likable? Is it because of structural inequities in power that happened to be there? Yes. If it had been somebody who looked different than her, who oh, did what Terry, this was, Terry, would, reading my mind. would this have gone different? And the answer is yes, yeah, this would have gone differently. 100%. There would have been more hate. Mm-hmm. And hate is seems to be what sustains and drives cancellation. Yeah. It's a powerful motive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I was going to go in that direction with you next because, I mean, I've been on the side of cancel where, you know, I'm in parliament. I tell a white male colleague to check his privilege and be quiet. Mm-hmm. And the the hate mm-hmm. that I receive for that. First time ever in a federal budget mm-hmm. that money is directed towards um, communities of African descent. First time in Canadian history that there is the word black mm-hmm. in the federal budget. And my colleague says that this is like the worst invest- investment. We're supposed to be colorblind. I respond and say, check your privilege and be quiet. Mm -hmm. And the hate that I receive, honestly, I thought I would never work another day in Canada again. It was unbearably horrible for three weeks. Three weeks I went through that. And so when you think about cancel culture and how it can have absolutely detrimental impacts depending on what you look like, mm-hmm. depending on who you are, depending on what you say, depending on that likability quotient, whatever that is, and depending on the topics that you're talking about, right? So me talking about racism before 2020, when it wasn't avant-garde to talk about race, was enough to cancel. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think that needs to be a to come into effect too. Like who has that power? Who has the power to cancel? Who has the power to turn someone's career on or off is essentially what we're we're saying here. You know? And there's there's a there's a responsibility, I think, that comes with some of the decisions that we make to cancel. And then some of the vitriol that goes with it. These are people's lives. Yeah. These are human beings. Let's not forget our humanity in this discussion. We're going to take a couple minutes to wrap this conversation up. I know we don't want to, and I know our listeners don't want to do it either, but I'm going to throw it over to you, Terry. Just tell me just your your final thoughts on this conversation and, and where do we go next with, with this? I think we have to be very mindful as as a society that I think we need to look at is cancellation being weaponized and how is it being weaponized and against whom? Mm -hmm. Whom are these structures of power being turned on? And it tends to be people that are challenging the status quo in some way, shape or form. Mm. That that, I'm speaking of the people who are canceled for doing something that isn't malicious, that isn't hateful. The people mm-hmm. who are being canceled for doing something that structures power, or that, that challenges authority within society. I'm not talking about people who are 
committing acts of hate and being right and being rightly held accountable right. Right. for making the world a worse place. Yeah. Right. Keep those out of your mind for just a second, although be mindful of them everywhere else, right. I suspect. But who is it being weaponized against? How is it being weaponized against people? And what are the mechanisms of it? And in this case, to me, what I keep seeing over and over again is that it is a weapon of systems of oppression defending themselves mm -hmm. against the light of day. <laughs> the light of day, sunlight is the best detergent. We know this, but it's a matter of that these, these are positions and systems of oppression that do not want to go. The status quo is large and in charge, mm -hmm. and it does not, that's, there's a reason why it's the status quo. It's established, it's entrenched in society, and it's not going to go without a fight. That's right, a fact. Right. And I see that these moments of cancel culture the example that you gave, mm -hmm. um, Selena. The example that you gave is because you had the gall to stand up against the system mm -hmm. that was and was very content to say work. It's supposed to be colorblind. Mm -hmm. Is it? Is it colorblind? No. Cancellation saw you, and it was not colorblind. Right. Right. That, exactly that kind of thing. That. Being neutral isn't an option because that right. uh, we have so much evidence that the status quo is harmful right. to some people, to, to some, dare I say, lots of people. So siding with the status quo is siding against these people. Siding with the status quo in this regard is standing up for harm, not against harm. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think we have to be very mindful of how cancel culture is being wielded and who we are wielding it against and why. And why? It's society, if it's society defending itself from hate, cancel away. You have Terry's gleaming endorsement for defending <laughs> like you need it, like you want it, like you knew who I was before. You have Terry's endorsement to defend yourself from hate and like saying that this person should not be given a forum to distribute ideas that are actively intent or gleefully inciting harm. That's that's where I am on cancel culture. I, yeah. I, need, I need to keep learning on this one. I think yeah. we all do as well. We all do because it, it does, to your point, it, it keeps people away though. So I know even for me, I well, between the, the new acquisition of Twitter and the hate I receive on it, even more so now, mm -hmm. it keeps me like, I always check myself. Do I want to challenge that today? Do I want that fight today? So what happens then is it reinforces itself because it keeps people away from checking the status quo. It keeps people away from challenging and it, it allows itself to perpetuate its own existence because I, I just don't feel like the fight today. I don't feel like the threats today. I don't feel like challenging today. Ishana, yes. any last words from you? Um, firstly, I want to say what you went through. That sounds honestly horrible. Um, and it is, believe me. <laughs> yeah, you know, like seeing, seeing yeah. a lot of this stuff online, I feel like, like you said, people forget, you know, there's humans behind these screens and uh, social media makes it really, really easy, you know, to cancel people without any concern for, you know, their livelihood and, you know, their intersecting identities. And mm -hmm. when you're looking at like some of the examples we've talked about, there's a lot of things that play into it where, you know, pretty privilege can be something that's protective or um, your, you know, race uh, race can, can be something that kind of puts you in like a target essentially. Yes. So 
it's it's really important to consider the intersecting identities that people have when when going about this because you know cancellation though it seems like it's like oh we're just making them you know deactivate their twitter account it's a lot a lot more than that and just like terry said you know there's people who very much deserve it um and it's it's a joy to see them leave those spaces honestly um but it's it's really important that you know we're very mindful of who this attention is directed towards because um it's it's as you said a weapon and very powerful honestly to have all of society move against you as like the masses and you know it's it's just really important to make sure that we're mindful of who we're directing this towards and for what reason for sure well i would like to thank you both for being with us here in this safe space called the harbor this is an insightful conversation thank you to terry Thank you to Ishana for being here today. And thank you to each one of our listeners for continuing to disrupt, to challenge, and to speak up, but also to actively listen. Uh, Tune in again to our next conversation with the Harbor and um, continue to be a champion for our road as we go on our road to justice and reconciliation. So thank you both.